Hello, film historians. I'm Derek, and I love old movies. We've got Sam the sidekick here. Hello, and welcome to episode 40. And as our listeners know by now, our 10th episodes, 10, 20, 30, 40, are always something a bit different. But also, 20 episodes are where we arbitrarily change seasons. So we are officially ending season two of the show, and today we'll recap that season a bit. Oh, for sure. We're going to be having a look back at the films we watched and place them in a rank order. We have a whole system and everything. It's very mathematical. And we will see what the overall best, or at least our favorite, film we covered was. What will the season two champ be? Well, we'll find out soon enough. And then after that, we're going to sort of continue our look at animated films from the golden age, but not looking at a feature film. Rather, we're going to watch some of the classic Max Fleischer Superman cartoons from the early 1940s. We're going to talk about the history of those and look at the incredible influence they had on the comics themselves. Super fun. Yeah. But first, we should do some business. Oh, always. So business number one. Thanks for being here. Yep. Thanks for listening. We see the numbers go up all the time. And as we record this, I can let you know that today we passed 10,000 listens. Oh, huge, huge. Not, not a number we thought we would ever get to. Ever. No way, no how. And yet, here we are. You folks are the reason we got here. And that is super cool of you. So thank you very much. Like we always say, you keep listening. We'll keep putting episodes out. That's the deal. Yeah, what he said. And to make sure you hear all about the interesting stuff as it happens, give us a follow on the socials. Oh yeah, totally do that. After all, we are on the Facebook. I Love Old Movies, the podcast. Le Instagram. At I Love Old Movies, the podcast. El Twitter. At Ilom Podcast. And the good old-fashioned email. I Love Old Movies, the podcast at gmail.com. All one word. And you know what? We love hearing from you. Whether it's some praise or a recommendation or just chit-chat about movies or even suggestions on what we could do to make the show better. It's awesome when you take the time to reach out, so don't be strangers. We're going to be doing another month of listener requests, probably in July. Mm -hmm. So be sure to give us a shout and let us know what film you want to hear us chat about. We've got a few good ones lined up already, so let us know ASAP. Also, if you would like to read a cold open for the podcast, maybe talking about a nostalgic or formative experience you had watching movies, get in touch. We'll make that happen right away. You don't have to have grown up in a small town in the Ottawa Valley. But bonus points if you did. And if you could, please take a moment right now to hit like, subscribe, and share. Especially share. Yeah. The sharing is the big one. Or if you're on an audio-only platform like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, see about dropping us some stars and maybe even a quick review. You'd be surprised how much that sort of thing really helps. And of course, you should do what all the cool kids do, which is pet the rock. And by that, we mean head on over to petrockradio.ca to listen to amazing local web-based radio programming with fantastic music and previous episodes of our show broadcast three times a week. Monday, Saturday, and Sunday. That's a lot of entertainment right there. We'll link that for you in the description. So, kid, are you ready to hop into the Wayback Machine and try to put the last few months into perspective? Oh, I've got perspective. Oh, yeah? So much perspective. All the perspective. Hit the music.
All right. So season two, we had 19 episodes and we looked at 18 films. The other episode was our 30th and we did the silent movie watch along for that. And we won't be considering that in this discussion. That means we had 18 films. Movies that we had some similar and some very divergent opinions on. And factor mom into that who watches with us and is always a part of our discussions and research. And we had three of us without clear agreement. The fourth factor was you, our listeners. And the reality is some of our episodes in season two did great. Just unbelievable listen totals. Others did less great. Although... It should be said, our goal, like our best hope for each episode, is 50 listens. That's kind of like our imaginary line where we can say an episode did well. Right. And every episode in season two was well above that line. Yeah, that's fair to point out. So even an episode that didn't do great still exceeded our expectations. That's worth mentioning. Everything is relative. So how did we do this? How did we determine the best film we saw? Explain our process here. All right. So Sam, Nikki, and I all ranked the films individually, 1 to 18. Our favorite film got 18 points, our least favorite got 1 point, and every film in between got points based on their positions. And we added up all those points. Right. But we weren't done there. Right. We then brought in the listen totals, and based on the order of those, more points were awarded. And the last thing we did was go back to the tale of the tape for each film and look at how these films were rated by the wider audiences out there. And points were awarded for that. Those are probably the least subjective points we gave out. Totally. So five categories in all, with each film getting between one and 18 points for each category, and then a grand total arrived at. Our top film? No surprise. If you've been following the show, for sure, no surprise. Our bottom film? It's an outrage. Yeah, yeah. We all thought it would be one specific film. Which, again, shouldn't be a surprise. But it didn't work out that way. Let's take a look at it now and see what the spreadsheet shows us. Okay, so we've got the master list right now of our 18 movies. And uh, I guess we should do this from 18 up to 1. Is that how we should we should do this one? I think so, yes. Okay, so... I'll start off. Full disclosure, we fully predicted that the film that would be at the bottom of our list was The Party. And this is because it was my least favorite. It was Sam's least favorite. It yes. was Nikki's least favorite. <laughs> and we thought you can't really do worse than getting the lowest points in every category. However, The Party was, was well listened to by all of you, and it also had a pretty good IMDb score relative to some of the, the other films we looked at. Which kept it out of last place. So, our bottom film. Sam, do you want to start us off? Okay. So, in last place, our bottom film is Unforgiven. Yeah, The Unforgiven. So, uh, that's uh, Burt Lancaster. I'm always happy to see him down there. Of course. Um, Audie Murphy, kind of sad for that. Yeah, a Western that we weren't super crazy about. We did that as a... One of our requests, and uh, in Western Month, it really, yeah, it didn't didn't go great. Yeah, no. Low marks for us, and and certainly for listens, and IMDb had it ranked really lowly as well. So it only of the possible, I guess we should say, like the maximum what the the point totals were ninety. You could get ninety points, 
and uh, Unforgiven got 13. So it's, not it's, looking too good. <laughs> no, not, not looking great there at all. Um, our next film was The Party. The Party came in uh, next. Low scores from all of us, uh, but a little higher on IMDb. Listens were uh, not as low as Unforgiven for sure. But again, only only 17 points for that one. Go ahead. Give us, uh, give us the next two there, Sam. Okay, sure. So right above The Party, we had The Thief of Baghdad. So again, kind of low scores from all of us, not too great, but again, a pretty good IMDb score. Not a lot of listens, though. That was pretty low. Yeah, and Thief of Baghdad, I mean, we might as well just say that got the least amount of listens of any It did. Any of our episodes in, in season two. So it, uh, you guys weren't, weren't digging on The Thief of Baghdad. Yeah, so right above The Thief of Baghdad is Love is a Many-Splendored Thing. Mm. And honestly... The rankings from all of us weren't too bad. I'd say comfortably around the middle sort of area for all of us. Yeah. The IMDb score, though, was not very high at all. Pretty low. The, yeah, actually the, the lowest ranked IMDb movie. The listens were pretty good on it, though. Mm-hmm. And then the total points there were 32. 32 points, yeah. Um, which takes us to, to the next film, which uh, had a was tied for... Actually, it's tied in points with Love is a Many Splendored Thing and tied for the lowest IMDb score. But the listens were much higher. And this is a movie the three of us did not really agree on. We were pretty close, I think, on, on all the others so far. But uh, Johnny Allegro is the next one. This is one of our requests that uh, came in for us. And you had it ranked much higher than I did. Um, and Mom sort of fell in the middle of us. And so it's, yes. it's kind of a little all over the place, that one. And after that, and we had The Quiet Man, again, a movie that we all pretty much agreed on. And the listeners were sort of right in line with us as well. Um, but the IMDb had it a little bit higher than I would have thought. Yeah, definitely higher than I was expecting for that one. I, you know what? I'm looking at that. That's like a 7.7 .7 on IMDb. That's... Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I like John Wayne, but I don't know. Okay, give us the next two there. Okay, after that, we have Loving You. And yeah. overall, we weren't too different in our scores, although mine was a bit higher than yours and mom's. Mm -hmm. And honestly, our listens were pretty in line with yours and mom's scores as well there. Yep. IMDb wasn't looking too good on that one. No. Pretty low. And that had a total of 38 points. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because we're always going to have a soft spot for Elvis, right? Like, I, we like his music. We Definitely. Generally like his movies. And I think we've really found there's Elvis's career, we talked about this, is the tale of two two times in his life, like before he went to the army and after he went to the army. And I feel that, you know, movies like Loving You and Jailhouse Rock, Love Me Tender, and, and certainly King Creole. We were talking about that one as well. Those are really, really good films and need maybe to be rediscovered and reevaluated by, by people because they're, they don't deserve just to be dismissed because they're an Elvis movie. And with the new Elvis movie coming out, the biopic, maybe yes. this will cast some, some light on some of, the, uh, some of the films that Elvis himself made. I'm looking forward to that one, by the way. Definitely. <laughs> Next up, we have Moby Dick. Yeah, right. Number 11. Now, Mom and I didn't rate that too highly, but you actually did. Yours was 
a not too bad score there. Yeah, I have it sort of middle of the pack uh, for me, and and that's about where it, where it ended overall. The listens were great for this one. You guys really liked the Moby Dick episode, and as well, I guess like it's not that I go back and I loved that movie. I liked it, but I think relative to the other ones that I ranked below it, it just it had to go somewhere. Right. You know? Okay, so that takes us into the top 10. Now, the top 10, again, we there's some movies we just we did not agree upon. And number 10 is one of them. This is one that our audience really liked. It was uh, the, the second most listened to episode of, of season two and, and one of our most listened to of, of all time. And I'm talking about Tarzan and the Ape Man. Now, I ranked this one fairly high. I put it comfortably, you know, mid-range or a little bit higher than that. Uh, you and mom did not like this as much at all. You especially, you did not like this. No, I definitely had some issues with the film. <laughs> uh, so I rated it pretty lowly, actually, on my list. Yeah, like 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 it's got four points from you. So you put it down like fourteenth. Yeah, yeah, like one of my one of my last ones. Yeah, um, and I can see that because there's a lot in Tarzan that didn't age well, like for sure. It yeah. just doesn't age well and, and doesn't translate to a modern audience at all. Um, for me, it's, you know, we talked about this at the time, the the role it played as being sort of the quintessential uh, franchise, you know, the, the, the big popular action movie franchise that lasted for so long and really sort of wrote wrote the book for what we have now where like every film that comes out is like, oh, is this a franchise, you know, whether it's Marvel or whatever else um people gravitate towards that that franchise kind of film style and and tarzan was the one that really created all that pioneered all that um so i I think maybe i'm a little clouded by its historical significance and and maybe not so much the actual quality of the film no people i mean must have agreed with you so listens were pretty good on that episode (laughs) they were really good they were really good no doubt Okay, that takes us to number nine. Um, and I know one person will be really happy to hear that this movie made the uh, uh, the top ten. So go ahead and uh, tell Gumpy all about it, Sam. <laughs> okay, so yes, this one is The Professionals. Mm-hmm. And honestly, all of our rankings were pretty close to each other. Yep. Uh, so we were all in pretty good agreement there. The IMDb was a bit lower and the listens weren't quite as good but overall the professionals did pretty good coming in with 51 total points yeah let's you know what um the professionals we loved i i really liked it a lot you liked it a lot i get why uh gumpy loves it we gotta watch more lee marvin movies i love lee marvin it was just yeah i love seeing him it was a great film yeah. And for people that say we're too unreasonably harsh on Burt Lancaster, there you go. A Burt Lancaster movie is is our ninth favorite. So, yeah. Next, we do have Rebecca, the Alfred Hitchcock directed best picture winning film. Certainly like the the rating of the film is very, very high. Like uh, Rebecca is an 8.1 on IMDb and uh, the listens on this were, were good for us. Mom really liked this one. She ranked this one really high. You were sort of middle rage on it. And I was just, yeah, I was really out of whack with you guys. I, I really sort of ranked this one lowly. 
which I shouldn't have, I suppose, because, you know, it is a classic. So I probably shouldn't have ranked it so low as I did. Everyone has, I mean, one or two misplaced films here. I mean, I have Johnny Allegro with a pretty unreasonably high (laughs) ranking here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I guess for me, Rebecca was just uh, slow and... um, Understandable. Lawrence Olivier really bothered me in it. I just didn't enjoy his performance. That's fair. I wasn't a huge fan of him in it. One thing I did really like about Rebecca, despite how slow it was, there was a lot sort of going on in it. Mm -hmm. And it definitely kept me thinking throughout it and asking questions sort of like, is this what's being alluded to? Is this going to happen? And that just sort of kept me on my toes throughout it. And that sort of led me to enjoying the film more, despite how slow and how long it was. Yeah, I like I don't have I don't have a problem with where it ended up for us at at 8th. But yeah, personally I wouldn't well I, I didn't rank it that high um relative to the others. Okay, so uh give us uh, 7 and 6 there, Sam, to take us up to the top 5. Sure. Okay, so next we have His Girl Friday, and we all had pretty decent uh rankings there for it. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. And the IMDb was pretty good for it, actually. Mm-hmm. And the uh, listens were not too bad on it either. Yeah, no, well. this was well-received across the board. Yeah, overall, just a pretty good, enjoyable film that everyone seemed to enjoy pretty well. Yeah, and, you know, Cary Grant was great in that movie. Even though we didn't love his character, like we thought his character was kind of a jerk, his performance was so good. And one of, I, I will say, as a bit of a teaser, um, one of our requests that we've already received for the next time we do our, our request month is for another Cary Grant film. Oh, nice. So we're going to be doing one of those coming up soon. We'll, we'll let you know more about that when it comes. But yeah, it, it came in uh, in an email from a listener named Carol, and she was really adamant we do some more Cary Grant. Nice. I do not have an issue with that. Yeah, no, me neither. Okay. Up next yellow sky oh yeah yes you really enjoyed this one i loved yellow sky (laughs) i think i put it um like was it fifth on my yeah i had it fifth overall yeah it it was a really good film i quite enjoyed it um all three of us mom included we had it with it it was at a pretty good place in our rankings Mm -hmm. the imdb pretty good as well and the listens were great on it. Yeah, Yellow Sky did really well for us. Sort of almost like a a game-changing episode for us in terms of uh, how fast it got to 100 listens, how many listens it had in its first week, and how it's continued to still sort of grow for us. Uh, Yellow Sky was a really big episode and, and, and really a, a cool movie that I don't think a lot of people know about and is definitely worth checking out. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed Yellow Sky. It, it was a good one, for sure. <laughs> I mean, in terms of... Because a lot of the other movies that are we have above it on the list, uh, which is our top five, I had seen all those movies before. You know, so I've already right. got a, a place. Those I'd never seen Yellow Sky. So of all the movies I'd never seen before, Yellow Sky was my favorite. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, top five. Again, another one that I'm I'm a little bit out of whack with. You and you and mom really agreed on this. 
The film community at large, the IMDb, agrees with it. Listen's not quite there, but, uh, well, no, the listens were really good on it, actually, as I'm looking at it. Um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah, I think part of the reason Mom and I had it so high on our rankings was sort of that, like, personal connection, like, with, like, our childhood and, mm-hmm. and that sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And also sort of, like, the historical stuff going on there with the, fir- the first uh, feature-length animated film. Right. And all that going on. And the animation is still jaw-dropping. Absolutely. Like, we watched it and we were riveted again just, just watching that movie. You know, I'm looking here at the, at the spreadsheet. Like, Mom had it number one. This was her favorite her favorite film. And yeah, I agree with you. I think it it comes from that childhood place. And same for you. You, you had it ranked really high. I was a little more critical of it. You know, it's a musical, so I could only... <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I could only get so far behind it. But yeah, um, number five, super worthy, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Totally good. Do you want to talk about number four or do you want me to? I, I feel like <laughs> maybe I should. Okay, take it away. Okay, number four, the Oxbow Incident. Oh, yeah. Yes, this one. As you can imagine, all of us have it very high in our rankings. Mm-hmm. For me, it was actually, what, my third one yeah number three for you yeah number two for me yeah so very high imdb was also really high really good unfortunately the listens weren't quite there not too great but oh my gosh i could not stop thinking about this film for days weeks afterwards directly after the film i was just uncontrollably ugly crying for like an hour after it was horrible i and yet it was the best kind of horrible because that movie just uncorks that emotional response it's uh the futility of what has happened and i almost want to compare it to um all quiet on the western front from our first season Mm. same A very similar reaction for me that I had to both films there. Yeah, Yeah, you talked about both those films for days, and they were really, they preoccupied you. Yes, I I just kept thinking about them. Mm -hmm. I I seem to recall, like, you even, for your your recommendation on that, was like, like, this is a must view for people. People have to see this movie. Yes, I did, definitely. Definitely check out the Oxbow Incident. We could talk about it all over again we could probably do a second episode about it so <laughs> yes folks if you haven't check out the oxbow incident brings us to number three which was another one of our requests uh, a request that came from uh, our good friend dave becker from land of the creeps and he requested inherit the wind this was another one we were really in agreement on we all loved it Absolutely loved it. I think we talked about it and we said this This is certainly, as we look back at all the films we watch in this season, the best acted film. Like, just the best performed. Absolutely. Uh, a master class of, of acting by Spencer Tracy and Frederick March. And really, the, the rest of the cast is very strong as well. We talked about Gene Kelly. It's, it's incredible. A great courtroom drama, possibly the greatest one ever. And it's something that... Uh, yeah, everyone should see. Like, it, it's Inherit the Wind. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I could watch it again. <laughs> like, yes. 
I could watch it on repeat. Like, what a great film. Mm-hmm. The acting, just riveting. I could not stop watching it. No, and, and I know that, like, obviously it's based on a stage play, and people stage that play all the time. It's big in community theater and that sort of thing. Um, I, I couldn't imagine seeing anyone else but those characters play it. And, and there are there are other uh, movie versions of it as well. But I don't think I want to see anyone but Spencer, Tracy, and Frederick March in those roles. I definitely don't. When I think of those characters, that story, mm-hmm. I can only think of them in those roles. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So we, we had that one at number three. It probably would have been higher, but uh, the listens on that one were, were very low. I think it was like like 14th best, so not not great. Not great relatively. It, it did very well for itself, but that's one that I think a lot of people can uh, go back and, and rediscover our episode on that one and, and maybe really enjoy it. Okay, we're down to the top two. The number one, no shock. Number two, also no shock, no, I mean, I, I don't think I, I thought this one would become number two, but I'm cool with it. I had a feeling it was going to be fairly high on our list based off of how we talked about it mm-hmm. and how well it did on its own. I'm not sure I was quite expecting second place. Not that I'm complaining. I'm mm-hmm. pretty happy about it. Yeah, it's sort of sitting in the slot that I thought Inherit the Wind would get to. Right. And the difference between the two of them, way more listens. And that was the difference maker for this one. So anyway, we're talking about The Adventures of Robin Hood. That's our number two film. And what a what a fun movie that it one is. It is so much fun. It's just like a party the entire time. So much action and... It's a great one. And I've always been a huge fan of the Robin Hood character ever <laughs> since I was a kid. So it definitely had a a soft spot in my heart for that. <laughs> yeah. And we talked about the costuming and the sets and the music. Like it just had, it had everything. The colors, the, the vibrancy of everything. Everything was so bright. Yeah. Yeah. It's really an excellent film. It holds up really well. The fighting scenes are awesome. So good. Um. Yeah, certainly a worthy number two. I have no problem saying second best film we saw in season two was was The Adventures of Robin Hood. No question. Definitely. Brings us to number one. Our favorite or the best or whatever you want to call it. The number one film of season two of the I Love Old Movies podcast, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And there's no real shock here as we're looking at it. Uh, It is... I had this one number one. Sam had it number two. Nikki had it number three. Um, IMDb, it had the highest IMDb rating with uh, an 8.2. And it was by far our most listened to episode um, as it's getting close to a thousand listens now already, uh, despite having just being released a few weeks ago. So it, yeah, the quality of this film, I think, is is unimpeachable. The performance by Humphrey Bogart is incredible, right, right off the charts. And it is, um, you know, it mines some of that same territory. We talked about this as Yellow Sky, the whole thing of the greed and the gold and that sort of thing. But it does it in such a different way. It's not about his desire for the gold. It's about the the way the madness consumes him. And uh, when you take like like a legendary Hollywood performer 
and you say like there's maybe not his signature role because I think with Humphrey Bogart it's probably Richard Bland and Casablanca, but but his best role, his best performed role, where he is the most powerful on screen, this is the one, and uh, yeah, I'm really glad we did it. Absolutely. Yeah, like you were saying with his performance, like he was captivating. Mm-hmm. Every time he was on screen, I could not look away from him. His performance was so good, so strong. Definitely the best thing I've ever seen him in. Yeah, probably the best thing he ever made. You know, in terms in terms of his performance. I mean, um, one day we'll we'll have to take a look at Casablanca, I guess. Right. <laughs> that's that's a whole other <laughs> that's a whole other thing. I mean. I don't know. Do we have the the courage to do like a month of things like Casablanca and Citizen Kane and Vertigo? Uh, You know, well, (laughs) I think that would be a huge undertaking. (laughs) Yes, it would. Let's just take the best films ever made and we'll do those for a month. Yeah. No pressure or anything. No, no, no. It'll be fine. (laughs) Okay. So there we have it. The season two champ is The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And that is a pick that satisfies us. It should satisfy our listeners, and I think it would satisfy anyone else, too. Yep. Agreed. Great film. It's a shame about The Unforgiven, though. Well, we didn't love it, and neither did critics, and neither did our listeners. Well, one listener did. That film was a request, and that's why we covered it. You know what else I just realized? Hmm. Our top and bottom film were both directed by John Huston. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, that's weird. Okay, well, that's season two. Be sure to let us know in the comments which episode was your favorite. Okay, kid, ready to go fight for truth, justice, and the American way? I'm going to get there faster than a speeding bullet. Hit the music. In the 1930s and early 40s, Fleischer Studios, run by brothers Max and Dave Fleischer, were the number two animation house in the business. Second only to Disney, the Fleischers worked to turn out many memorable shorts, had created timeless characters with Popeye and Betty Boop, produced an animated feature, an adaptation of Gulliver's Travels, and even pioneered the rotoscoping technique, which could be seen as a precursor to motion capture. That's pretty illustrious. Oh, good one. (laughs) I'm hilarious. (laughs) And then along comes Superman as a character. And after his appearance in Action Comics number one, the Man of Steel, the last son of Krypton, he became big business. Not only was he soon appearing in three monthly comics, Action, Superman, and World's Finest, but also in radio dramas and, of course, in toy stores everywhere. And given the fantastic nature of the character, as well as the feats he would need to be seen performing, animation seemed a natural way to present him. This is first, too, right? Like, this is the first superhero cartoon we're talking about. Before everything. Before everything. Okay, okay, continue. So, Republic Pictures tried to enter an agreement with National Periodicals, and this is the company that would become DC Comics eventually. But due to issues over cost and creative control, the two sides could never get together. Enter Paramount, who managed to strike the deal. But because they had no animation team in-house, they subcontracted the work to Fleischer, who they had a good relationship with. And Max and Dave were loving this, right? Like, I can't imagine being more happy. Well, try imagining less happy. Like, way less happy. What? Why? Well, they didn't want to do it. 
They knew it would be very challenging and that rotoscoping wouldn't be able to be used extensively since Superman had to be able to do things like fly and lift cars and they couldn't rotoscope that. And they didn't feel their animators were really up to the task since Disney hit hard away most of the best in the business. Oh, why didn't they just say no? Well, who knows how these things work? These wheelings and dealings at the highest levels of pre-war Hollywood. Not me. Me neither. What did they do? Well, the Fleischer said it would take them six months to produce each cartoon, and that the cost would be $100,000 per short. Now, this was vastly out of line with both the financial and timeline costs of animated shorts back then. Problem solved. Not so much. Paramount said yes. No, they didn't. Come on. 100k? No way. <laughs> well, they agreed to 50k for the first episode, and 30k after. And that was still very generous financial terms. And now they were committed. And they had to go into production. And six months later, the first episode, The Mad Scientist, which also included a very brief retelling of Superman's origin, arrived in theaters. And people loved it. And people loved it. It was even nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Short. The Fleischers used Bud Collier and Joan Alexander for the voices of Superman and Lois Lane, which was a good get, since they were also the voices of the popular radio series. So Superman looked right, and he sounded right. And then they made 17 shorts, but not really? What's the deal with that? Well, Max and Dave made the first nine. And after that, their own working relationship had deteriorated and they weren't able to work together anymore, let alone complete the contract with Paramount. So Paramount moved on this, essentially removing the brothers from their own company and rebranding it as Famous Studios. Famous made the last eight shorts in the Superman series, and they were vastly different in tone. Way less sci-fi and traditional superheroing, and way more World War II propaganda and fighting Japanese and German agents. Way more. But the Fleischers give us a lot. Like, is it fair to say they left a forever mark on the Superman franchise? Oh, absolutely. Their aesthetic alone endured right up until the 1990s, when it was certainly an inspiration for the look of Batman the Animated Series, and all the DC Animated Series that followed in its wake. The lines, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, that was created by the Fleischers, and were used in their nine shorts as well as subsequently in the radio show and in the Adventures of Superman TV show with George Reeves. And the flying? Is it true they're the ones who had Superman fly? Okay, so from an animation point of view, they felt it looked a little awkward for Superman to be jumping all the time, and they asked National for permission to just have him fly. This was already something that had been happening on the radio show, so it wasn't an unprecedented innovation for the character. But once everyone could actually see Superman flying, the comics had to change to adapt that power, and a flying Superman became the standard forevermore. And we're watching the first three? Ah, what the heck. Let's watch four. Okay, cool. What's the tail of the tape on these, Sam? All right, so we have a 6.9 on IMDb. Hmm. The first episode ever released was actually nominated for an Oscar. There you go. And the series can be watched on YouTube and Tubi. For free. So we're just going to hit you with some quick episode recaps here for the first four episodes that we watched today. 
Episode 1 was originally called Superman, and then the title was changed later to The Mad Scientist. And in this one, the Daily Planet has been receiving threatening notes, and ace reporter Lois Lane wants to crack the case on her own. While investigating, Lois is captured by the scientist who shoots his ray cannon at the Daily Planet building. Superman winds up punching out the beam, destroying the cannon, saving Lois, and he drops the scientist in jail. The second episode was called The Mechanical Monsters. So remote-controlled giant robots attack a museum and steal all the valuable gems and jewels before leaving. Lois hops into the storage container of a robot and is taken to the lair of the, you guessed it, mad scientist who is controlling them. Superman arrives in time to destroy the robots, recover the jewels, imprison the scientist, and save Lois. Episode 3 is called Billion Dollar Limited. A train filled with a billion dollars in gold is heading towards the U.S. Mint. Lois is on board the train, and it is attacked by a team of very well-armed thieves. Quickly, the train is damaged and speeding out of control. The crooks blow up a bridge, but Superman flies the train across the gorge and puts it back on the tracks. So they instead blow up the engine car, and Superman only barely saves Lois in time. Eventually, Superman overcomes the tear gas and machine gun fire the crooks subject him to, pulls the rest of the train to the mint, and saves the day. Episode 4 was the Arctic Giant. A frozen prehistoric creature is brought to Metropolis to be displayed at the museum. While Lois is interviewing people there, the refrigeration system breaks and the creature thaws out, and is instantly awakened, trashes the museum, and starts rampaging through the city. Lois almost gets eaten, but Superman saves her before putting the creature down for the count. These cartoons are a lot of fun. Definitely. I really had a lot of fun. <laughs> Why don't we uh, prunk on these right away? Absolutely. Okay. So as always, we don't actually rate films here on the show. There's no stars. There's no thumbs. We just tell you some things we liked. Some things we didn't. And then we recommend whether or not you might enjoy giving this one a watch. Take it away. My pros. Number one, the music. The theme song is good. It's not John Williams good, but it's really good. A great hero needs a great bit of music to herald his or her arrival, something iconic and timeless. And the Fleischer cartoons certainly have that. Their Superman theme song was a perfect piece of music for it. Number two, The Pace. These cartoons are a perfect example of our old axiom, don't bore us, get to the chorus. Were they formulaic? Sure. Maybe even hokey and over-the-top violent? Totally. But they are very streamlined. They give the viewer what they need to know quickly and efficiently and get on with the business of villains doing villainous things, Superman doing super things, and all with a quick and tidy resolution. Number three, the sci-fi insanity. Ray beams that melt bridges, giant robots, frozen dinosaurs, and most importantly, incredible feats of superheroing by our star. The heavy sci-fi influence that the Fleischers brought to these cartoons is fantastic and is very in line with what DC Comics would look like in the 1950s, when so many former writers of sci-fi periodicals began to swell their writing staff. These aren't deep stories. They're ridiculously far-fetched and even simplistic. But when you've got an invincible extraterrestrial man of steel who can fly, you might as well give him completely over-the-top threats to overcome. 
Number four, I was really happy to see this part. Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster receive credit for Superman's creation at the start of every episode. And if you know anything about the story of how Superman was created and the rights issues that stretched on for decades between DC Comics and eventually the families of Siegel and Shuster, it's kind of amazing to see that they were handling things perfectly back in the day, crediting the creators as they should have. My cons, number one, the sound quality isn't great. The music and the vocal tracks have a crackly, muddy quality to them, and with so many short lines of dialogue, it's easy to miss a line here or there. Some really clean audio would be a huge benefit to the re-enjoyment value of these cartoons for a modern audience. Number two, Lois Lane. So, she is a terrible character in these. Every episode has her falling victim to her own sense of ambition and getting herself in serious, life-threatening problems that only Superman can solve. The romance between Lois and Clark isn't really addressed, and I don't know if this is because it's a children's cartoon that shows many people being killed, but it can't have time for some romance. Lois has all the gumption her character is renowned for, but none of the wherewithal, none of the resourcefulness, and absolutely none of the agency. She's just a bit too simplistically played for one of the great all-time female characters in comic books. Number three, while the animation has its moments, and it really does, overall this show looks good. There are some rougher looking spots. The switching between rotoscoping and the drawn parts can be jarring, and at times the whole thing comes off a bit too static. The thing of it is this. These are awesome and well-animated cartoons, but if you compare them to what was being produced by Disney at the time, well, there's no comparison whatsoever. Fleischer Studios was probably the number two animation house in Hollywood in those days, but when you're a distant second in a two-horse race, people are going to notice. In all, though, I love these cartoons. They're the archetype for everything that came afterwards in terms of the presentation of comic book superheroes on the big screen. The debt owed to these 17 shorts is incalculable. Of course, they get a hearty watch recommendation from me. You're up. Okay, so my pros. One. Superman smirks. They were hilarious. Lois would just say something about how Superman saved the day, and then Clark Kent would just give a big, self-satisfied wink or smirk directly into the camera. It was so cheesy, and he looked so smug. It was kind of ridiculous, but since it happened at the end of every single episode, it was also really funny. 2. The pacing. It was extremely fast. Now, normally I wouldn't be a fan of this because we lose time that could be spent providing backstory or explanations. However, I think the fast pace serves the episodes really well. They're only like 10 minutes long each, so obviously they have to be fast. But I didn't feel like I was missing anything either. They did a good job of fitting everything needed in in the amount of time that they had. 3. The Format This was honestly just kind of smart and fun. All the episodes were very formulaic. There's the intro, Lois and Clark find out something bad is happening, Lois gets stuck in the middle of it, Superman saves her and tosses the villain in jail, Lois says something about how great Superman is, while Clark looks directly into the camera. The end. If you've seen one episode, then you've basically seen them all. 
Considering how quick and to the point the episodes have to be because of their length, it's nice to be able to know what to expect going into it. Now my cons. 1. The deaths. So, these were very clearly meant to be for kids. Or, at the very least, kid-friendly episodes. And yet, people were getting killed off left and right. In one episode, people are literally getting tossed over the side of a speeding train like it's no big deal. Then Superman saves Lois and flies away as the train explodes. It's like he didn't care about anyone other than Lois. It doesn't make sense for Superman to just disregard other people that he could have saved. It's not his character. Overall, it just seemed kind of nonchalant about all the people dying. 2. The characters. They didn't really have a lot of depth. I can see how it would be hard considering the episodes were so short, but they could have done something. The mad scientists in the first and second episodes were practically the same person. There was no reason for what they were doing, they were just being villains because they could. And Lois wasn't that great either. She would just go off looking for a new story, get in trouble, and then be saved by Superman. That was all. You'd think that eventually she would realize that running headfirst into danger isn't the best way to get a good story, but she did it again and again. It really just seemed like a convenient way for Superman to get to save someone. 3. The Animation Don't get me wrong, considering this is from the early 1940s, this is super cool and impressive. But it's just not as good as it could have been. We know what 1937 was capable of with Snow White, but that was leagues above Superman. Some things were just not done as well. Hand movements weren't great, eyes looked kind of weird, and mouths didn't always line up with speech. They made a good effort and the animation was great to see, but it just wasn't as good as it could have been. Overall, though, this is definitely going to get a watch from me. The episodes were fun, quick, and uh, very enjoyable to watch. Honestly, I think that any fan of Superman would have a great time watching them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, and with that, we come to the end of our 40th episode. How did you enjoy season two? Are you still liking the idea of theme months and listener requests? What is your favorite episode? Send us a message and let us know. And be sure to come back next week when we will launch into season three. Really, we're just going to be continuing our look at classic animation, but yeah. Really, the whole season thing is pretty arbitrary, like I said. Yeah, it has a lot more to do with how we archive all our files than anything else. So there you go. The curtain has been pulled back on our process. What do we have up next? Well, we're going to stick with the Fleischer Brothers, and we're going to check out their big animated feature film, Gulliver's Travels. Can't wait for that. But until then, be sure to watch more movies. And let everyone know about us. We're not a secret, and you do not have to keep us all to yourselves. So tell your friends. Tell your enemies. You never know. They might like punching the heads off of giant robots as much as you do. Maybe even more. For Sam the Sidekick, I'm Derek, and I love old movies.
Additional research for I Love Old Movies, the podcast, is done by Nikki Weatherden. Audio clips come from freefx.co.uk. Images are used through the provisions of fair use, and our theme song, Burning Bridges, is by The Crocs.